say our verse together. It is 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 10. Uh, let's say this. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. 1 Corinthians 13, 10. Tonight we'll give you opportunity to recite verse 9 and work on this for next week. All right, if our ushers would come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offerings. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Luke chapter 15, please, today for our reading. Luke chapter 15, and we'll read verses 11 down through 32. Luke chapter 15, and verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks, that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. 
Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercy and grace to us. We thank you again for this beautiful day. We pray, Lord, your blessing on this service. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, empower our pastor as he brings the word of God to us. We thank you for the privilege we have to be here today. We thank you for the peace and freedoms that we yet enjoy. And we pray that you help us to be faithful to you in these uh, last days. Help us to be a testimony for the Lord Jesus and to let our light shine. Bless each one here today. Meet the needs of each heart. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us and strengthen us. And uh, bring us conviction and do what you would in our hearts, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. Hope for the prodigal. This chapter contains three parables that build upon one truth. That truth is, once was lost, now is found, and there is great rejoicing to follow. That's a great theme of these three parables. They all build upon that. Now, these three parables are in response to a sarcastic statement made by the Pharisees. If you go back to verse 1 and 2, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I believe the harshest statements I have ever incurred in my Christian life has come from some of the self-righteous, crusty religious people that are in some type of a uh, uh, either denominational church or, or in a church that really doesn't have a compassion for the lost and reach out. I've often been accused of, of uh, you Baptists are always trying to save everybody. I'm guilty. Thank you for that. Amen. I want to be guilty of that. And uh, whether they're impoverished or wealthy, it's the same gospel for both. Uh, they seem to have hearts of, of an iceberg, just like the Pharisees. It's not only that they don't get it, but they despise it. And what a shame. However, by contrast, as I come to this particular parable... I find the workings of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, absolutely amazing in how he can reach down into the masses of humanity and write a parable that reaches and touches the very hearts of those that are either wayward 
or broken because they have a prodigal. And he strikes the hearts with a compassionate cord of understanding. The first parable, the loss of one sheep out of a hundred. Most people are not involved in livestock today, uh, particularly in America. There's a handful that are. But they really would not understand what the significance of this parable really is. I grew up ranching. We had uh, livestock. We had cattle. I remember one year in the fall where uh, we had weaned the calves off of the cows. And then a little later we would go back and we would bring, drive the cows home, bring them to the winter feeding uh, uh, fields and stuff. And I remember one year as we weaned, we were short somewhere between three and five calves. I don't remember exactly how many. But not only were we short those three or five calves... But we were short their mothers, the cows. And it was distressing to grandpa and to dad. And I understood that. <clears throat> and do understand, we ran a little over 200 head of cattle. That's just the cows, not the yearlings, calves, and all of that. But we had a little over 200 head of cows. But that was very distressing. And, and they were hoping when we would come back uh, about a month later to round up the cows to bring them home, they would find those cows still in the pasture back with the herd and be able to bring both the cows and the calves home. But when we brought, rounded up the cattle and counted, there was no calves and we were still short that same number of cows. I remember how distressing it was to Grandpa, even though we had a larger number than just the hundred sheep. Grandpa and some of us went back and and we rode those pastures. It it would have been between two and three thousand acres of pasture, uh, our pasture, neighbors' pastures, and looking for those missing cattle. And we never found them. And Grandpa was pretty distressed. He contacted certain neighbors that uh, surrounded us to see if they had our cows amongst their cows or what happened with them. And it wasn't until a month or two later, several miles away from home, driving by a a herd of cattle in a cornfield, that Grandpa saw his brand on one of them. And he stopped and he looked around and I think he found at least a couple of them out there in that field. And so he went and talked to the owner, and the owner was rather hostile. And he says, I don't have any of your cattle. Get out of here and stay out of my herd. Grandpa uh, either threatened or had to get the brand inspector involved, the sheriff involved. And by the time it was all done, they returned our cows. I think the cows had late calves and weren't branded, and we never saw the calves. But at least we got the cows. You know, when we got them back... I remember how excited Grandpa was. And, and, and so I would understand this probably a little better than many, having lost one sheep, but yet you found it. The second parable deals with the loss of one coin out of ten. Now, in its essence and in its thoughts, if you had ten dimes in, in your pocket and lost one, it's like, whoa, I lost something. No big deal. But when that coin is a part uh, of a, um, a keepsake treasure, it may be part of a dowry, and it had a world of significance to you, to lose that one coin 
would really distress you. And here again, I I can probably identify on a very smaller level with this one of having a keepsake or something that is lost. Now, on this particular time, it wasn't found. Uh, Two of our children have lost their homes to fires. Uh, Our son's home was a total loss, and there was only a couple baskets of things that were uh, rescued out of all of that fire. Prior to this, I had loaned my riding spurs to my son for his ranching work. And one was lost in the fire, and they found one. It's all charred with smoke and blackened. And every time I look at it, I I got that one back. But every time I look at it, I'm reminded of the other one that's still lost in the fire. But I'm also reminded... That out of both of those fires, none none of our family, nobody was ever hurt. Nobody lost their life. And so little things can have big significance. And in this case, there was something that was lost of great significance. And when it was found, she brought others around to rejoice over the finding of that lost coin. Then we come to the big one. And that's the prodigal son. The one we read about this morning. You know what? There's an army of moms and dads that can identify with this. They have a prodigal. That's why I said it's amazing how God can reach down into humanity and speak a parable. Out of all of the grace and compassion of heaven that can strike the chords of individuals. There's parents who have loved the Lord and tried to bring up their children to do the same. It may be that as parents you got saved after you started your children and started your family and and, uh, had sowed some seeds of weeds and thistles in their lives before you got saved. But nonetheless, by the time the child is ready to, to leave, you discover that they had spent time conforming to the Christian faith, just waiting for that time to leave it all behind and pursue the ways of the world. When they came of age, they left, threw off their synthetic robe of religion into the ditch, and submerge their life into the ways of the world. How do you describe the depths of heartbreak that a mom or a dad feels and experiences when this happens? I remember the testimony of my grandma and grandpa Sucra and how one of their daughters, rebel at heart, rejected the gospel and left as a prodigal. They prayed throughout the rest of their life for her salvation and reconciliation back to God. I don't know that a day ever went by, according to the testimony, it would have been a rare day that went by that they did not pray for Margaret's salvation, her reconciliation to the Lord, and reconciliation to mom and dad. 
I believe this parable, with all its grace and compassion of heaven, reaches down and touches hearts here this morning. No doubt, right here in our presence, in this gathering this morning, whether it be with the radio, our TV, the web, as people listen to this message, but right here this morning, right here amongst us, we have parents who have breaking hearts because of a child that has become a prodigal. For some of you, you are weighed down with a hurting heart to such an extent that it inescapably impacts you every day. A day does not go by but what you think about it and pray for them. The dark night hours do not pass but what you think about them and you pray for them. By the grace of God, you find the strength to get up the next day and serve the Lord. But yet at the same time, the heaviness of the heart is still there. But for others who have a prodigal, you've tried to shield your heart from such agonizing pain by a hardening and a callousing of the heart to some level. It's not a good idea. But you have done that so you don't have to feel the pain as deeply as it does hurt. But the tragedy of that is bitterness and anger sets in instead of the pain. I don't know all of the reasons the Lord Jesus Christ gave us this particular parable. But I believe I can honestly say one reason is he spoke the parable that you as a parent of a prodigal can have hope. And not only that, but if someone is here this morning listening and is that prodigal, you too can have hope to forgiveness and restoration. What a parable this is that reveals the heart of a wonderful God. The parable begins very simple in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, folks, that's easy to identify. It can be a man, a father, a mother, a father and a mother. If if you are a parent of a prodigal, when you read that verse and the scripture says a certain man, you, you have empathy with that man. You, you identify with that man and you say, I'm that father. I'm that mother. I'm that father and mother. We are that father, father and mother that has a child 
or more than one that has become that prodigal. And so as we read and as we begin, it's easy for one who has seen a child go astray, identify with that verse and say, that's me right there. And then we get to verse 12. When that, that dreaded day comes and that child says, I'm leaving home. Or they leave home without saying a word. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey, he left. Do you know what? On some level, it comes as no surprise because most parents know the heart of their child. As your children are growing up in the home and as Christian parents that invest your lives in your children's lives, you you pretty well know their heart in many ways. Sometimes there are some surprises that come along the way. But you kind of know their heart. You know the hearts of the ones that uh, have a heart for God and love God and want to serve God. And you know the hearts of that child or children that just have a flavor and a taste for the world and and you know that it's just been like you've had to circle a fence around them and hold them back and and try to work with them to keep them on track and it's been an an insurmountable job and, and when that day comes, it's not a real surprise. Now, while it may be no surprise... When your fears become reality, the heart breaks deeply all the same. Whether it is a surprise or not, when that becomes a reality that that they leave as the prodigal, the depths of hurt only a parent that has experienced it can, can even begin to explain, but not completely explain but fully understands. When they were younger, you could take them to the woodshed if appropriate. But now they are of age. And you can do nothing but weep and watch and watch and weep as they go. And go they do. And not only do they go, but they go to a far country, as it says in verse 13, and took his journey into a far country. Before I share this next thought, I want to give a word of caution. We, we have some here that had lived in Colorado and went to California for a variety of reasons. I don't know those reasons. It may have been for a job opportunity, education, or whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah, he's laughing at me. All right. There may be others. I don't know. There can be good reasons to go to California. But when I grew up, 
And, and the reason I say that, don't abuse what I'm about to say. But when I grew, was growing up, and even before then, California was the icon place of the wild and the worldly. And the one that my grandparents, Grandma and Grandpa Sucra, prayed for is the prodigal. She was a rebel to the core and went to California. Because it was the iconic place of living after the flesh and free to live wild. Not only was that one of the testimonies, but there had been many testimonies of that. And I've heard of many parents who face that same thing. Now the prodigal may move hundreds of miles away or states away. Or they may simply move across town or down the street. It is not the geographical distance that is the key, but the spiritual distance. They have moved away from your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everything that you hold spiritually dear in your heart in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And they have cast that off. To go to a far country, spiritually speaking. Whether the prodigal goes across the street or halfway across the country, it becomes a great spiritual gulf that is fixed between you and your child. You may be able to get together with them. You may be in the room together for a Thanksgiving meal or for whatever reason and be able to engage in, in, in a civil manner. But spiritually, your world's apart. And a mighty gulf has been fixed. And even in the civility, your heart breaks in many pieces. The two of you now see most everything different in life. There's a difference in life's purpose. There's a difference in lifestyles. There's a difference in life's values. And not only are there the differences that now exist, but many times they are adamantly opposing. And understand the values of God is in opposition to the values of this world. That's an inescapable truth. And when you stand and defend and love the values that God has given you through the word of God and the child has thrown them off and they have migrated and taken on the values of this world. There's a difference and there is an opposition, and sometimes it becomes contentious. So there was a man. He had two sons. And one took all that was his and left for a far country. Also in verse 13, it says, And there wasted his substance with riotous living. 
It is one thing to see them waste their money and resources on worldly living. To become party to the things of the world. To see their lives change. In this particular case, the father was not able to watch what was happening, but he knew what was happening. You see, when you study the Bible, you simply know what follows the decisions that we make. It's not the wasting of the money or the resources that they have or we have given to them that really hurts. But what really hurts is to see them waste and throw away all the spiritual values that you have invested in their lives. You have given them the opportunity to have eternal life. And you have given them biblical values as to how to live a life with the blessing of God upon their life. You have given them the biblical values that that would protect them from the consequences of sinful living and all of the agony and all of the hurt from all of the consequences of living a sinful life. And, And you have spent, whether it be 16, 17, 18, 20 years of investing that into their life and to see them walk away and cast that robe into the ditch and leave it and go to the world. That's what really hurts. Because you know what they could have had. It could have been protected from catastrophic consequences. Whether it be drunkenness, immorality, criminal behavior, marital heartache. And not only that, how it will impact your grandchildren. Because if they have moved that far away from God, how far will your grandchildren then move? By verse 14, it begins to catch up with the prodigal. And it always does. One way or another, it always catches up. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to want. The prodigal is wasted not only all of the financial resources, but have wasted all the spiritual values they had. The fun is over, and now the consequences step in and begin to reign. And life even gets tough in a far country. And we're talking spiritually here. It doesn't make any difference whether they're down the street or around the world. Life gets tough. And just as this prodigal son did, he tried to persevere in his worldly living. And he even went into things that was, would be such an embarrassment and, and despised by him by going and feeding the hogs and eating hog food himself. Simply seeking to survive. Before I move forward in this passage, let me interject this. Here's where life can be challenging for those of good intentions. This parable would be of no value if some well-intentioned person 
was always meeting the needs of the prodigal and said, you know what? You're out of food, let me give you food. You're out of lodging, let me take you in and give you lodging. I do understand the poor we always have with us. And there are proper times to reach out and minister to the poor. This is why it is so important to live and lead a spirit-led life. To know when you're doing God's will to help somebody. And knowing when it would be interfering with God's work to help somebody. I don't have that line to draw for you. It is essential that you live as a believer a spirit-led life. To know the difference. Well, let's continue with verses 17 through 19. Here is where the seeds of hope begin to sprout. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against thee, and against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to the father. The parable turns with the hope for the prodigal. It begins when he willingly acknowledges his sin and unworthiness. He realizes he he needs to and he has in this passage realized that he has sinned against heaven. And, And that's where we first sinned. When David talked about his sin and he confessed his sin. He first acknowledged that his sin of adultery was first and foremost against God and then others. In this particular passage, the prodigal had to acknowledge that he first sinned against God before he sinned against his father. But he also recognized that he had sinned against his father. And he realized that he was totally unworthy to come back and be called a son. If the parable had stopped there and said, see, I told you so. It's no good. Now you found out. If it stopped there, there would be no hope in existence but hopelessness and despair. But knowing and believing that there truly is a pathway to the Father is a pathway of hope to love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Parents, for whatever your child has done to become a prodigal, be sure they always know you love them as this father had loved them. Be sure they know that there is always a pathway to forgiveness and reconciliation. There may come a day where they'll really believe it. But be sure they have that. Knowing and believing that there is truly a pathway back to the Father. 
For every spiritual faraway country, Christ has blazed a pathway to the cross. You see, yes, there is one way to the Heavenly Father. And it is through Jesus Christ alone. This is not only a lesson on the prodigal, it is a lesson on the sinner that needs to come to Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's Jesus Christ. There is only one way. Acts 4, 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. There is only one pathway to forgiveness and reconciliation. But that one pathway is scattered like spaghetti to every point around the globe so that every sinner, every prodigal can know and have hope that there is a pathway to forgiveness and reconciliation. That is the goodness of our God. There is hope for the prodigal. Every believer is a prodigal from the Heavenly Father. And there is hope for every prodigal through Jesus Christ. And any prodigal that becomes reconciled to the Heavenly Father will want to be reconciled to the parent. Be sure the door is always open. Be sure you have forgiveness in your heart. But wait, there is more good news. There is hope for the parents of a prodigal. There is hope for the prodigal. You know, sometimes prodigals leave and they feel as if there's no more opportunity. There is not another chance. There is no way on this earth it could ever happen. They need to understand that there is hope and there is God's pathway. But there is hope for the parents of a prodigal. How many days had this father looked down the road for his son? Did he go out every morning? Did he stop by and look down the road before he went in at noon? I don't know if they had three square meals a day, how they did it. Did he look down the road every evening before he checked in for the night? It doesn't tell us how long. Was it a week? A month? A year? Was it many years? But we're left with the understanding that he was always looking. How many days have you fell to your knees interceding for your child and hoping for their return? See, you can can say, that's me right there. Don't ever give up. Don't harden your heart to shield from the hurt because there is hope. As I go back to my grandma and grandpa Sucre, they prayed to my understanding almost every day for the salvation of their daughter and the reconciliation. It didn't happen in their lifetime. Grandpa died first and then grandma Sucre died. And at the death of my grandma Sucra, my mother took up the, the, the baton of praying for her sister. 
And I understand mom prayed daily. Until one day in Margaret's latter years of life, called mom and said, I need to be saved. There was rejoicing in the household when Margaret was saved. I don't know what all the believers who have died and gone to heaven see and know about what happens down here. But I do understand, as it said in the first two parables, that when that which is lost is found, there is rejoicing in heaven. Undoubtedly, there is rejoicing among the angels and the heavenly Father. And if Grandma and Grandpa Sucra were able to know, they joined in on the rejoicing. I cannot say I do not know, but this I do know, they would join in. Don't give up. Be sure your prodigal knows that the home is still a place of love and forgiveness. We are not talking about embracing their sin. We are not talking about enabling their sin or even tolerating their sin. But turning from their sin and seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. Then there can be hope. When they know that there is love in the home, when they know that there is forgiveness with dad and mom, there is hope. And then a rebuilding of a relationship can begin. And what a wonderful thing that will be. Oh, you may have an interactive relationship with them. But it would transform from a relationship that is spiritually worlds apart to a relationship of unity in Christ. And a joy that is unexplainable to others who have not experienced it. While this is truly a parable of hope for the prodigal and the parent of prodigals, it is a beautiful portrait of the heart and nature of our Heavenly Father, who undoubtedly is waiting for sinners to come home through repentance and forgiveness and restored to the Heavenly Father. And there is rejoicing in home. When we know how wonderful it is for a prodigal to be reconciled to a parent, how much greater is it when the sinner is reconciled to God? From the rejoicing in the home to the rejoicing in heaven. As I close this message this morning, if you are that prodigal, or you know somebody that is that prodigal, there is hope. You can be received back to the Father, Heavenly Father, through repentance there is forgiveness and great love. If you are that parent, 
rest assured, there is hope. And I invite you, yea, I encourage you to go to your knees and beg God that you would be like the Father here that has enough love to forgive and to rebuild. Lord, we come to you this morning. And Father, as we consider this great parable and this great lesson, may our Heavenly Father be exalted. May the Lord's working be marvelous to us. And Father, may we reflect His nature in how we behave. Oh God, I don't know who all is going to hear this message, but if there is a prodigal, please prick the heart. Bring them to the conviction and to repentance and come to Christ. Oh, what joy there is. And if they need to be reconciled and can be reconciled to their parents, let them be quick to do that. And Father, I ask that if there are parents that are listening to this, and I know we have some here, God, work in their hearts and strengthen their hope. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are...
Most people don't even know that the courts have already ruled. Once money is deposited into the bank, the bank owns the money, and the depositor is merely an unsecured creditor of the bank. Which means if the bank goes under, you get paid last. After the financial crisis, instead of breaking up too big to fail, the government and the Federal Reserve created Dodd-Frank and made too-big-to-fail banks even bigger, while putting your deposits more at risk. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. To learn more, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800-951-0592. 
Any major disaster, especially weather-related, when the power goes out, can cause people to suddenly panic. Within hours, grocery store shelves in your area can be picked clean. Food supply lines get interrupted, and food is hard to find. At that point, it's too late to do anything about it. You must survive only on the food you already have in your home or risk waiting for the government to respond while you're standing in food lines. So ask yourself, do you have enough food in your home to last for weeks or months? That's why the smart move is to secure your family's personal supply of the most reliable emergency food you can buy. Having at least four weeks' worth of food is not a luxury. It's mandatory. If you don't want you and your family to end up in this situation, go to 1360KHNC.com and click on the Patriot Supply button at the top of the page. That's 1360KHNC.com and click on the Patriot Supply button. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. This is Steve at Ramsey Auto Group. Hey, this is Mike from Ramsey Auto Group. Just stopping in to say hi, let you know that we're still open, still in business, and still rocking and rolling. You know, if you're looking for a good car experience, come see us. We have old school values. We still operate by handshake. We're not pushy. We want you to be happy, and uh, we have a great selection of trucks. 6175 West 10th Street, Greeley. 970-443-5654. 970-443-5654. This is Mark Hall, host of the Come Out of Her My People show here on the Roar of the Rockies. Tune in to discover why, whether it's the law of the land or scripture, what you've probably heard it says is not what is written. It's time to come out of all of that. Hello, friends. This is Bradley Dean, show host for the Sons of Liberty. Join me on KHNC 1360 AM every weekday at 8 p.m., Saturdays at 5 to 7 p.m., and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the